0: If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're interested in LA or maybe you're planning a trip and you probably have questions. Lots of questions. Circa's new concierge feature will change how you travel. You can connect with us directly through the Circa app and we'll put you in touch with your very own local concierge to ask any questions you have. No matter when you're traveling, let us help make your trip to Los Angeles one to remember. For limited time only, the Circa Concierge is completely free. So download the Circa app from the iOS App Store and connect with us. You've got questions, we've got the answers. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. Welcome to Circa. You're listening to part two of our epic road trip up the California coast. If you haven't heard part one yet, you might consider starting there at the beginning of the journey. If you start here, just know you're starting from the charming city of San Luis Obispo, about a four-hour drive up the coast from Los Angeles. In this episode, you'll hear about some places and some recommendations for things to do and to eat. Don't worry about taking notes. Like all of our episodes, we'll put it all in the Circa app for you. In part one, we left Los Angeles, where the first bell of El Camino Real was established. We ate lobster rolls and drank wine and heard about the car culture that makes Los Angeles move. Now it's on to Big Sur and the very beginning of California. But first... Circa. Love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. The Castle. We're departing this morning from San Luis Obispo. Hopefully, after a night's sleep, tucked in next to a fire, with cool air from the hillsides floating in quietly through the window. Before you hit the road, Stop by local fave Scout Coffee for perfect lattes and baked treats like morning buns and goat cheese and leek scones or an indulgent affogato with ice cream and espresso. If you're looking for something heartier, try Luis's. I'll put it this way. They put bacon in their waffles. Pick up the one again and head north out of town toward Moro Bay. It's a quick hop to the ocean, and what you've come for is the spectacular view of Moro Rock, the remains of a long, extinct volcano. You can drive right up to the rock and hike around the backside. Or rent a kayak and paddle around in the calm bay. You'll probably hear sea lions barking. If you want a snack, there are seafood shacks with fresh oysters or krills, a candy shop with sticky cinnamon rolls, and saltwater taffy. Now, off to see a castle. In 1919, William Randolph Hearst, the inspiration for Citizen Kane, and founder of the media empire that still bears his name, began construction on the estate that would become known as Hearst Castle. It took nearly 30 years to complete, and due to Hearst's changing tastes and the influence of several architects, the castle is a blend of Spanish colonial revival, classic Mediterranean, and elements borrowed from the Swiss and the Japanese. The grounds cover 127 acres, and the castle contains 42 bedrooms and 61 bathrooms, pools and tennis courts, a movie theater and a ballroom, and, while Hearst was alive, a zoo. It's a museum these days, and various tours are available. See the cottages which housed visiting movie stars and royalty, or Hearst's private, gothic-style suite, or the grand rooms of the estate that hosted extravagant affairs. Tickets are around $25 for adults. Book in advance and check before you go, In the winter, if there's a storm, the road to the castle can quite literally wash away. If you don't get to the castle, you can still spy it from the road perched high on the top of a hill as you drive by. Also, keep an eye out for a herd of zebras that still roam the hills in this area. It's super weird. Big Sur. Get back on Route 1 and head north, following the signs pointing toward Los Padres National Forest and Big Sur. One tip before you get too far. Make sure your maps, podcasts, and music are downloaded before you head out, as most areas of the route you're about to drive through won't have cell reception. There'll be places to stop for snacks and gas along the way, but you'll want to make sure you start with a fairly full tank both in your car and your stomach. On your way from Hearst Castle, make your first stop immediately at Piedras Blancas State Park. You'll see the signs on your left for the elephant seal viewing area. The best time to see this endangered species is over the winter months from December through March when these giant animals pile along the beach with their babies. As you head up into the Los Padres National Forest, you'll have a bit of a drive along the coast. In the winter and spring, the green hills will be full of bright yellow California poppies. Look out for hawks and falcons, in particular the peregrine falcons, who are tricky to spot because they can cruise as high as 3,000 feet up, but are the fastest animal on earth when diving for prey. They've been clocked at speeds of up to 200 miles per hour. You might also be lucky enough to spot a California condor. These birds in the vulture family have a wingspan of nine and a half feet, but they're also very difficult to spot because there are only around 300 of them in the wild. The LA Zoo has been rehabilitating these birds for decades and has successfully saved them from extinction. As you start to climb up into the Big Sur region, you'll pass the Ragged Point Inn. There's a gas station here, bathrooms, and an espresso bar. If you need gas, you'll want to get it, even though it will be expensive. For the next hour or so, you will curve along the cliff's edge as it winds in and out, up and down, offering spectacular views out over the ocean at every turn. Every time you think you've seen the most amazing vista, there'll be another, even more amazing one. Luckily, there are plenty of turnouts to stop if you want. The Big Sur region was relatively untouched until 1937 when Highway 1 opened to automobiles, and still it remained quiet until after World War II when gasoline rationing eased. Its popularity with tourists has only grown since, so we definitely recommend visiting outside of busy summer months and avoiding big holidays. There are a few stops for Hot Springs along this stretch, and one of the more unusual is Slate's Hot Springs at the Esalen Institute. To access the Hot Springs, you can book a spa treatment or a massage at the Institute during the day. But for a unique local experience, the Hot Springs are open to the public every night between 1 and 3 a.m. It's a bit bizarre, but there's nothing quite like soaking in waters heated by the Earth's core on a cliff overlooking the ocean with a starry night sky hanging overhead. Notably, clothing is entirely optional. Incidentally, and maybe entirely appropriately, Hunter S. Thompson was a security guard here in 1961, before it was called the Ethelin Institute. He published his first feature while here, in which he talked about the reputation Big Sur had for wild, drunken, sex-orgy bohemian culture that was not quite accurate, but certainly irritated the locals. As you drive, look out for signs for Julia Pfeiffer Burns State Park. They can be easy to miss. Inside the park, there's a small hiking trail, only about a quarter mile to the lookout. It leads to an overlook and a stunning view of McWay Falls. The rocky hillsides are dotted with yellow Bermuda buttercups and perfect white thimbleberry flowers. It'll be a brief stop, and you may pay a $10 entrance fee for parking. But here you can take the photo of McWay Falls plunging into the ocean that you'll see on postcards in every souvenir shop. You'll probably need a snack break right about now. Luckily, you're heading into Big Sur Village. You'll be into the woods with towering coastal redwoods all around you. The little town of Big Sur, if you can call it that, is centered in a stretch of storefronts along the road. A couple of inns, several campgrounds, a gas station, and a post office. Stop at the Big Sur Bakery for a grilled cheese with onions or a short rib sandwich with aioli on home-baked sourdough bread. In the off-season, it might be closed when you arrive. Go next door to the Big Sur Deli. Get a warm torta with thinly sliced carne asada. Take your picnic to go. This next stop is easy to miss, so drive slowly. Especially because GPS coverage here is spotty, so these are old-fashioned, word-of-mouth directions you're getting. About a quarter of a mile on from the bakery, on the left-hand side, is the turnoff for Pfeiffer Beach, which is confusingly different than Julia Pfeiffer Burns State Park. The road is not marked except for a sign that says no RVs, and if you reach Big Sur Station Campground, you've gone too far. Once you turn, you'll drive about two miles down Sycamore Canyon Road, a windy, potholed path through Redwoods. Pay the modest fee to park. In the summer, the small lot might be full, so the U.S. Forest Service sometimes runs a shuttle service from its headquarters. John and Florence Pfeiffer came to live in Big Sur in 1884 and were among the first residents of European heritage. John's family having come from France, the Pfeifers became known for their hospitality, welcoming travelers into their home. Eventually, they began operating their homestead as an inn, the Pfeiffer Ranch Resort. It is now the site of the Big Sur Lodge. Pfeiffer Beach is where you want to have your picnic and give your legs a stretch on this most beautiful hidden gem of a beach. The sand here is streaked with purple from manganese garnet that washes down from the hills. And the window in the rock formations are something special to see in person. It's a spiritual place and feels removed from the world somehow. There are hiking trails and parks and paths all along Route 1 through Big Sur. Get out and explore. Towards the south end of the drive, before Big Sur, some of the trails are not really formal or marked, but you'll see cars pulled over near their entrances. As you get further along, you'll start to see state parks and campgrounds, and here the paths are well marked, and parks usually have bathrooms and sometimes rangers who can help. If you want to stay the night along this stretch, and we wouldn't blame you, there are campgrounds and cabins and a half dozen little inns. In some places, you can even rent an inner tube to float down the Big Sur River. Be sure to reserve your room or campsite ahead of time in the summer when all of these places are quite popular. And for true luxury, ocean views, spa services, yoga, and a price tag to match, we're talking four figures, You can stay at the Post Ranch Inn with a gorgeous room overlooking the Pacific, including a private soaking tub on your patio or a cozy treehouse. Like a real treehouse with a wood-burning fireplace. The inn provides room service but notably does not have TVs or alarm clocks, and neither your children nor your dog are welcome here. If you're traveling with Scooby, the place you want to visit is coming up. Keep listening. Once back on the road and through Big Sur, the forest will start to lighten, and you'll be back on the cliff's edge, hundreds of feet above the ocean. You'll want to stop for photos of Bixby Bridge, one of the world's tallest single-span concrete bridges, stretching 260 feet above the canyon floor. Its iconic arches have made it a California landmark. If you're afraid of heights, be prepared. It was completed in 1932. And you can only imagine what it must have been like to construct, hauling bags of cement up with a system of pulleys to a rickety wooden frame. Yikes. Bixby Creek Canyon, down below, is where Jack Kerouac spent a couple of nights at his friend Lawrence Ferenghetti's cabin and was inspired to write the novel Big Sur. You'll have a hell of a time getting down there to explore it, though, so I wouldn't try it. The best spot for a picture of Bixby Bridge is just off a dirt road on the south side of the bridge. But if you miss it, there are turnoffs for pictures on the north side as well. Catch it in Magic Hour, and you can frame that shot. Hi, everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Okay, it's time to commit. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Carmel by the Sea. The drive from San Luis Obispo through Big Sur to Carmel is about three hours without stops. And the windy road takes far longer than it looks like it should unless you're okay with a little edge of your seat danger and the chance that you'll make your companion sick. My advice is to be sure to leave enough time to make the most of that drive during daylight hours, lest you miss out on the beauty of this stretch of the PCH. Book yourself a place to stay in Carmel or its twin sister Monterey ahead of time so you have somewhere soft to land. These two seaside towns are stunning, a truly fitting place to end your drive. Carmel is home to another California mission, one of the oldest in the state, and one of the prettiest. The Carmel Mission Basilica also holds the shrine of St. Junipero Serra, who founded nine missions across California during the late 1700s. The work of the mission originally centered around converting the Ohlone people to Christianity, but in the end, most of them were wiped out by European diseases to which they had no immunity. The building these days has been restored and burnished with beautiful results. Carmel's character today, which has the air of a quaint Riviera town, is really thanks to its development as an artist's enclave. In 1905, the Carmel Arts and Crafts Club was established, and then a year later, when an earthquake rocked San Francisco, scores of artists, writers, actors, and musicians fled the flattened city for this haven by the sea. They were welcomed with open arms, and many never left. They opened shops and studios and theaters and galleries, and this legacy remains, making Carmel one of the most picturesque, artist-friendly towns in all of California. These days, the residents of Carmel are every bit as friendly as they always were, but a bit more mature than in the heyday of the artist's enclave. And the town is quiet and peaceful, especially in the evenings when shops and restaurants close early, and lots of these restaurants cater to an upscale clientele. Keep it in mind if you're looking for after hours fun or if you're on a budget. Take in the village by strolling down Ocean Avenue and the charming downtown streets and stopping into the fairy tale looking Cottage of Sweets or the Pilgrim's Way bookshop, especially if you're toting kids. Carmel has over a dozen beautiful courtyards tucked in and around the streets, some lined with bamboo and fountains, English Tudor architecture and bright bougainvillea climbing the walls. It's also full of charming and fairy tale like cottages with names like Fiddler's Green and Bon Ami. Just wander around the streets and enjoy. Plenty of restaurants and cafes are tucked into these streets as well, but our choice here is dining al fresco. Pick up prime rib sandwiches, salads, deviled eggs, fresh fruit, a country baguette, and a bottle of wine at Bruno's Deli or Nielsen's Market, or visit the cheese shop to build your own exquisite cheese plate. Then take your picnic to either the perfectly manicured Devendorf Park or down to stunning white sand Carmel Beach. In a town famous for its art, the most standout work might belong to nature. Carmel Beach is a perfect crescent bay of soft sand rimmed by the scenic walking paths and cypress trees. And even better, the beach, as nearly everything in Carmel-by-the-Sea, is dog friendly Hotels, restaurants, and shops all have accommodations for four-legged family members. Bring your buddy to Diggity Dog for a designer dog sweater so he can hit the beach in navy sailor stripes or a herringbone cotton hoodie and feel appropriately chic. Monterey. Finally, the apex of our road trip, a journey backwards through history from Los Angeles to the birthplace of California. The little city of Monterey, right next door to Carmel, has played an outsized role in California's story. In the early days of European exploration, Monterey was populated by the Roomsian people. It became a popular trading post, especially for the furs of beavers and giant grizzly bears. The Spanish occupation of Monterey began with the building of a military presidio in 1770. Roughly 150 to 170 Spanish soldiers were sent to California during this time, and around 40 were assigned to the area around Monterey. In fact, Junipero Serra first established a mission here in Monterey in 1770, the second mission in all of California before determining that the land near the Carmel River was better suited for farming and then relocating the mission to Carmel. Monterey served as the capital of California for many years under both Spanish and Mexican rule in the 1800s. During this time, Spanish criollo cattle brought up from Mexico grazed in vast numbers in the hillsides. Their strong hides were used to make the belts that operated steam engines and were an extremely valuable commodity. The Old Custom House is the oldest surviving government building in California, built in 1827. Merchant ships would come through to pay tax to Mexico and pick up the strong cow hides. In 1846, during the Mexican-American War, the American flag was hoisted here in Monterey to claim California for the United States. After the war, the Constitution of California was drawn up here in advance of California's official entry into statehood. You can visit the old custom house, as it's been carefully preserved as a part of the Monterey State Historic Park. Ask the guides here to show you the iron safe that is an original artifact from the old shipping and trading days. Take your car a few blocks into historic Monterey and get some lunch at Alta Bakery. Many of the walls in this historic district were once originally part of the old stone presidio walls built by the Spanish. The complex that the bakery calls home now was constructed in 1827 of those sturdy adobe bricks we told you about earlier. It was built as the home and general store of the American sea captain, John B.R. Cooper. The food of the bakery, however, is entirely New Californian. We recommend the charred zucchini dip with house-made pickles and toasted sourdough. And if there are any left when you get there... Get a donut. It might be filled with lemon curd and topped with meringue. Monterey's tourist hub centers around Cannery Row, which was once a collection of sardine canning plants supported by a thriving fishing industry in Monterey Bay in the first half of the 20th century. By the 1970s, the canning plants had all closed after overfishing collapsed the industry. But this waterfront stretch has been reimagined as shops and restaurants and pedestrian-friendly bike paths. The author John Steinbeck grew up not far from Monterey, and one of his most famous works was set within and titled Cannery Row. You'll see his name and likeness all over this neighborhood. About 30 minutes from Monterey, you can visit the John Steinbeck Center in the city of Salinas, where the writer was born. Wander along the waterfront of Monterey Bay. It isn't great for swimming, but if you like, there are plenty of options for scuba diving to explore the kelp forest. The kelp also attracts sea otters. Head over to San Carlos Beach just down the road from Cannery Row to watch them diving for their lunch. Snails, abalone, mussels, and clams on the seafloor. With all of the outside activities, beaches, and oceanside history in this neighborhood, the most well-known attraction in Monterey is indoors. The Monterey Bay Aquarium occupies the site of one of the largest former canneries on Cannery Row, and it is the premier aquarium and research center on the West Coast. It was also the first aquarium to house and care for a great white shark, and still has an impressive collection of sharks, penguins, fish, and crustaceans to enjoy. You just won't be able to eat them. From Los Angeles to Monterey, you've seen beautiful nature, eaten quite well, followed a trail of bells, and learned a fair bit about this great land. My home state. I encourage you to stretch this road trip and gallivant about a little. Explore. Find the bits of California that are perfect for you. One truth about California, there's a perfect bit for everyone. To help you out, there are a couple of bonus mini-episodes in the app with other top road trips to try and an alternate route for part of this trip up the coast that includes the best buttermilk biscuit you ever had. And I know biscuits. I was born in the South. There's something here for everyone. I dare you not to fall in love with this place. Thanks for road tripping with us on the PCH. Remember to check out the other episodes in this guide for deeper dives into LA, including its architecture, its food, and what to do in the city with children. Whether you're heading to Los Angeles right now, sometime in the near future, or would just like to learn all about a place we truly love, you'll get instant access to the full guide plus new episodes on a regular basis when you subscribe to CERCA. Maybe you'll want to check out our guides for Barcelona, Rome, Mexico City, and many more to come. For access to everything that comes along with a Circa subscription, be sure to download the Circa app. Circa. Love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it.